Let's clap our hands to the one who this service is all about, the Lord Jesus Christ. If it's not about him, it's not about anything. (laughs) Hallelujah. Oh, we worship you, Jesus. Amen. Jesus is in the house. And if Jesus is in the house, anything can happen. (laughs) Amen. Joy, pleasure, privilege to be here at the Antioch Church. And it's been a great week. Pastor wouldn't tell you this, but I have inside information. He was re-elected as presbyter of this section unanimously he's respected loved honored by his colleagues and we're so proud of that and his lovely wife and and family and the bible says that the qualifications to lead the house of god is to be able to lead your family well and brother and sister Wright do an awesome job And we're proud of their children. And speaking of their children, uh, they were telling me that they listened to my son's podcast, Spirit Signal. Are there any Spirit Signal followers? Oh, Lord. It's, It's difficult to be the father of a rock star podcaster. But he told me to greet all you guys. <laughs> And uh, you can check that out. Praise God. Everything looks good, feels good, smells good. And I love this congregation. I I respect you highly. This is a vanguard congregation in North America in the apostolic movement. And it's because of your great leadership, pastor, bishop, all this great team that's here. And we see so many familiar faces that we have learned to love and appreciate through the years. And so keep doing what you're doing. And go make disciples, obey the Lord, and please Him. Thank you, Pastor, for recognizing the finest folks at the Life Church, Stephen, Suzanne, and Gabriel Trotter. And we're praying the will of God for their son, Gabriel. Their other son's name is Noah. I'm not sure why they didn't name him Michael. They could have had two of the three of the archangels. We don't want that third one. <laughs> Amen. Don't tell Noah I said that. We love the name Noah. He found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So let's go to the word of the Lord, Proverbs 23:23. Proverbs 23:23. Short phrase that speaks to us a powerful message and I trust this word I know this word is for someone today the wise man Solomon gave us this advice buy the truth and do not sell it buy the truth and do not sell it also wisdom and instruction and understanding. 
How many are thankful that you know that the best wisdom is God's wisdom? And the best instruction is the Lord's instruction. And the best understanding is understanding from His Word. Amen. If you love the truth, why don't you just lift your hands right now and let your voice out. And thank God for truth today. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus, for the truth. We praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. Amen. You may be seated. What is this truth that the wise man spoke of? And if we are to buy the truth, how much is it? If we actually buy the truth, which is more than just knowing the truth. How do we know if we can afford to buy it? And what if the price is too high? And then, how do you know if you've bought the truth? How do you know? Everybody say truth. Truth. When we say truth, I hope everybody paid their tithes. That guy's coming around right now to make sure. I almost got one person to smile there. They hadn't smiled yet this morning, but we'll keep working on them. So when we say truth, we do not mean the Oprah Winfrey brand of truth. Who says, you have a truth, I have a truth, everybody has a truth. doesn't matter what your truth is. Just love it, live it, believe it. We'll all end up at the same place anyway. All paths lead to... I suppose, nirvana. That's not the kind of truth that we're talking about. Truth is not a pop culture brand of truth. Your truth devised in your finite mind is not even close to the truth. Or neither is mine. Your opinion or my opinion or philosophy, perhaps, or persuasion, no matter how much we believe it, if we devised it, if we created it, if we invented it, it's so far short of the truth that Solomon spoke of. In philosophy, there's an unfolding truth. In science, There's an evidential truth. In math, there's a numerical truth. In physics, there is quantum truth. In history, there is eyewitness truth. In education, there is a quest for truth. In business, there is ethical truth. In politics, there is no truth. (laughs) And in the media, there is fake truth. But there 
is only one truth. And all other wannabes must bow to that one truth. Romans 3, 4 says, let God be true and every man or woman be a liar. Amen. I'm so thankful for absolute, unequivocal, unadulterated, unmitigated truth. I thank the Lord for absolute truth today. My daughter was in a college class and her professor on the first day said, if you are a weak Christian, I advise that you transfer out of this class into another class because I'm going to do everything I can to destroy your faith in God and your confidence that the Bible is the word of God. And that shook her, and she came home. She was 18 years old, and she said, Dad, what should I do? I said, I'm not going to answer that question for you. What do you want to do? She said, I'm not going to run from this because I know the truth. The truth has set me free. Amen. I'm going to stand no matter what he says. No matter what he throws at me, she said, he cannot shake my faith. He cannot shake my doctrine. And so she stood. She defended. It gave her a love for apologetics. It gave her a love to defend the truth. And she was, she had the last laugh because the last day of that class, she was allowed to make a presentation in defense of her faith. She didn't use the Bible, but she used science, and she used the argument of archaeology. And there's nothing scientific, and there's nothing archaeological that has ever been discovered, that has ever disproved the most reliable ancient text in all of the world. And that is the Logos, amen, which is the sum total of God's Word. And I will never forget, she let me read her her presentation. Her last statement before she walked off the stage was, And with every spade of dirt that's turned over in the Holy Land or the world, another critic is buried. And she walked (laughs) off. Amen. Are you thankful for something that has stood the test of time? Are you thankful for a truth that is not subject to culture? It's not subject to generations. It's not subject, amen, to centuries. It has stood. It will stand when you're standing on the truth. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word shall not pass away. Muhammad said, go this way. Buddha said, go that way. Confucius said, go the other way, but Jesus said, I am the way and the truth. John 8, 32, Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Free from what? Free from every lie, every pretender, every fake, every facade, Every charlatan, every sham, every shyster, every crook, every conniver, every swindler. I refuse to be duped. I refuse to be deceived. 
Jesus warned us in the last days, do not be deceived. There will be many false Christs. Listen, we are living in an hour of deception. And Jesus also prophesied that offenses would come. Amen. Offenses would come. Listen, truth will unpack and expose offense. Truth will expose deceivers and usurpers and supplanters. Hallelujah. When you know the truth, amen, you can look at it square in the eye and know it's the truth or know it's a fake. Praise God. My father was a banker before he was a preacher. And he taught me that bankers, at least in those days, they would examine carefully Reliable currency, authentic currency. They would never look at a fake dollar bill. They would never look at uh, a printed dollar. But they would only examine what was authentic. So that when they saw and felt a fake dollar, that they would know it instantly by a glance or by the touch. And I've been looking at the truth for generations. I've been looking at the truth, hallelujah, for centuries. I've been looking for the truth in my own life for decades. Amen. Another I will not follow. I cannot cast in my lot. Amen. I'm, listen, I know what I'm preaching about today. I pastored for 37 years and I've learned, lived long enough to see people who shouted about the truth, but they're not living the truth today. They danced about the truth, but they're not walking in the truth today. There's a difference in shouting about it. Amen. And dancing over it and singing about it and buying it and loving it and never forsaking it. No matter what happens in your life. The last 13 months have exposed some believers. And if there's anyone watching online, please do not misunderstand I'm not saying that you're not in the bride of Christ if you're not in the building today. Because here at Antioch, we know that the church is not an address. And it's not a campus. We are the church. Amen. We are the body of Christ. But we do believe in gathering. And everybody needs to be wise and prudent about that decision. So please understand the spirit in which I say what I'm now going to say. But the pandemic has exposed weak Christians. The pandemic has exposed uncommitted people. I can't speak for Antioch, but I can speak for the Life Church that we still have a hundred people we haven't seen in thirteen months. That breaks my heart. And I want to say, what about you? What about your kids? Did you have a relationship with a campus? Did you have a relationship with an address? Did you have a relationship with a calendar? Oh, by God, it's 930. Time to head to church. Or do you have a relationship with God? You know, Paul said that fire, everybody say fire. fire. Now say fire. fire. It sounds hotter when you say fire. 
I got my help right over here. Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm calling this the amen corner. Am I operating in the gifts right there? Praise God. Amen. Paul said, the fire will not make you. He didn't say the fire will make you. I hear people all the time say, well, you know, those trials are making me something. No, they're not. Fire and difficulty that Sister Angie talked about today, they don't make us. They expose us. Amen. They don't create anything. They only expose what has already been created. Paul said when the fire comes, it's going to reveal what your work is made out of, what your faith is made out of, what your walk with God is made out of. If it's made out of wood, hay, or stubble, the fire is going to burn it up. Amen. If your faith during COVID is not strong, if it's not established, if it's not committed, if you don't love the truth, amen, you think COVID is bad, fasten your seatbelts, baby. There's 21 plagues that are coming that are much worse than COVID-19 ever wanted to be. It's only a precursor of what's coming. Hallelujah. But I'm here to tell you, Paul said, if you're built your life out of gold, silver, and precious stones, let the fire come. Let the pandemic come. It's only going to expose that you built your life on a rock, the solid rock, Christ Jesus. (laughs) hallelujah everybody say buy it amen own it attain it purchase it Jesus said in Luke 9 if anyone desires to come after me let him just live a posh life My son, Justin, our associate pastor, he said, in COVID, people that are spiritual are spiritual. And people that are carnal are carnal. Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, you've got to deny yourself. Take up your cross. That doesn't sound like Disney World to me. And follow me. Everybody say follow that means act like me. Do what I do. <laughs> Follow my model. Verse 24, whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. That sounds like buying the truth. Have you lost your life for his sake? Have you lost your life? Do you, or are you living your life the way you want to live your life? Or are you living His way? I'll tell you how we can find out real quickly if you've lost your life for His sake. Two things, your calendar and your bank account. I need my amen corner right there. Your calendar and your bank account. Those two documents are theological documents. 
Everybody all right? If you're not all right, at least look all right. So we don't have to call that guy to come back. <laughs> yeah, Jesus said, deny yourself. Follow me. Lose your life. Have a nice day. Are you living like that? Are you living like you lost your life? <laughs> how do you know you bought the truth? Examine how do you spend leisure time. Look at your library. Pay attention to the voices you allow to speak into your life. Your calendar, your checkbook, these things will tell you if you have bought the truth. You will not discover what you are living for until you figure out what you will die for. And the older I get, my list of what I'm willing to die for is getting shorter all the time. Short, it's shrinking. It's shrinking. I want to ask you a question. This is really radical. But I want to ask it nevertheless. Do you love the truth that you would be willing, like Jesus said, to lay down your life for the gospel of Jesus Christ? I don't know that any one of us could answer that question today. Really, the only time you can answer that question is in the moment. <laughs> it's in the moment. It's not, that's not when you make the decision. You make the decision today, but it's in the moment when you find out. According to Jesus, if... You never had the courage to share your life and share his gospel. I don't think you would have the courage to lay down your life for something you've never invested in others. I'm not sure. I think that's where you begin to know if you'd lay down your life as if you'll give up, amen, the evening of your day off to make disciples. Amen. Amen. I'm not patting myself on the back, but... I live for Mondays. Amen. Mondays are sacred to me because that's my day off. I try to guard it like Fort Knox, and despite my best efforts, it doesn't always happen. But, amen, it's the only night that was available for my wife and I, amen, to teach Bible study to Bonnie and Greg uh, Grant. And I'm not making myself out to be a great hero. It's really no sacrifice. But when you start making those kinds of decisions, amen, when, when you start preferring others and when you really believe the truth and you love the gospel and you're willing to lay down your life, so to speak, amen. Now, I'm not talking about, amen, facing a firing squad today. I'm not talking about facing the guillotine or, 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 or you know, some sort of a dramatic thing. But I am talking about, amen, committing your calendar. Do you have time to make disciples? Do you have time to stand out on a street corner with a blow-up thing that says Jesus and become fools for Christ's sake? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's the only thing that's going to reach this world is when we're fools for Christ's sake. <laughs> Woo! Hallelujah. That's giving up your life. 
the truth 100 years ago there was a band of brave men and women with the call of God on their lives they became known as the one way missionaries they purchased outbound tickets to the mission field of their calling but not return tickets Let me show you a picture of their suitcase. It was a coffin. Look at this. They packed all their belongings in a plain pine box. Bought one-way tickets. Friends, that's buying the truth. They sailed out of port. They waved goodbye to everybody they loved and that loved them. They were never coming back home. One such missionary went to the South Pacific to minister among a headhunter tribe who had martyred every missionary before him. He did not fear death because he already died. problem with 21st century easy believism Christians is they're dying for everything instead of dying once and for all. For 45 years, he lived among this tribe. He loved them. He ate with them. He did life with them. When he died a natural death, they buried him in the middle of their village. And on his tombstone... They wrote this epitaph. When he came, there was no light. When he left, there was no darkness. Brothers and sisters, Jesus didn't die to keep us safe. He died to make us dangerous. The Holy Spirit is a missionary spirit. It's a missionary spirit. It wants to go on a mission. The Holy Spirit wants to go do something. Amen. It doesn't want to just come to church. It doesn't just want to go to somebody else's Bible study. It wants to have its own Bible study. Hallelujah. Amen. It doesn't want to just be happy, clappy in church. It wants to take the gospel. Amen. Where it's never gone before. Amen. Your Holy Ghost, I'm talking about your Holy Ghost, is a missionary spirit. It's a spirit of adventure. Raise your hand if you've ever been to the zoo. Everybody's been to the zoo. And you see those powerful animals behind bars. (laughs) Thank God. I went on a Safari drive in Tanzania, Africa. There was no bars out there. I stayed in the Jeep. (laughs) But you go to the zoo, you see these 500-pound gorillas. Maybe 750-pound king of the jungle. 
and they're pacing behind bars. You think of how powerful those animals are in their natural habitat. Nothing restrains them. Listen, God didn't save you to lock you behind bars of your local church campus. Amen. You are powerful. Amen. Don't become domesticated. Don't become domesticated. Amen. By church culture. Hallelujah. I know pastors with me on this. There's powerful people here today. You got more power in your little finger than any devil, any decision, any demographic, any culture, any demon that you come up against. The Holy Ghost in you is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Go live like martyrs. Go pack your coffin. Selling out and not being a sellout is your apostolic DNA. James was thrust through with a sword. Luke was hung from an olive tree in Greece. Thomas was tortured. Pierced with a spear, burned alive in India. Philip was tortured, then crucified. But he preached from his cross as he was dying. Matthew was stabbed in the back in Ethiopia. Bartholomew was beaten to death in Armenia. and James was thrown off the pinnacle of the temple in Jerusalem. He survived only to be clubbed to death by a mob. Simon the Zealot was crucified in Syria. Judas Thaddeus was beaten to death in Mesopotamia. Matthias was stoned and then beheaded. Peter was crucified upside down. John the Beloved survived a boiling cauldron of oil only to be banished to a forsaken island by Diocletian the emperor. They would not have laid down their lives for a fake. (laughs) They would not have laid down their lives for a charlatan. They would not have laid down their lives if they created the resurrection and snuck in there and hid the Lord's body like some have tried to explain away the resurrection. I want to tell everybody in this house today, if Jesus came out of that grave on the third day like he said he would and he did, then we've got to do something with that. We've got to confront that. We've got to face that. And if he is not your Lord and Savior yet, then you are underselling your revelation of your opportunity to buy the truth Let me tell you what the truth is. The truth is a man who suffered, bled, died, was buried, amen, and rose again on the third day. And the way you buy that is to love that truth. And the way you love it is to obey it. Because Jesus said, if you love me, obey me. And the way we obey it is as he died, we die in repentance. As he was buried, we're buried, amen, by the waters of baptism in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of our sins. And like he came up out of his grave, amen, we receive the spirit, which is the power of the resurrection. That's how you buy the truth. Hallelujah. Turn to somebody and say, pack your coffin. (laughs) 
<laughs> I've come to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. <laughs> Woo. You shake your head like that, I feel the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Listen to the expanded context of Proverbs 23, 23, verse 10. Do not remove the ancient landmark. That's a part of buying the truth. Don't tear down a fence unless you know why it was built in the first place. Verse 17, do not let your heart envy sinners, but be zealous for the fear of the Lord all day. Don't envy sinners. David said, Lord, don't gather my soul with sinners. What's this culture coming to? For the first time in my lifetime, we now have a sitting president who, on his Easter address, could not find a way to mention the name of Jesus. How are you going to talk about Easter? This is an IQ test. How are you going to talk about Easter without talking about Jesus? Now he's put the symbol of the rainbow on every U.S. embassy in the world. Celebrating, shall we say, alternative lifestyles. Now we have the Equity Act, which will restrict... Christian faith, particularly conservative Christian faith, if it's passed into law. I'll tell you something, I'm not a calamity howler, I'm not a prophet of doom and gloom, but weak Christianity is going to be exposed. David said, Lord, don't gather my soul with sinners. Hmm. I love sinners. I want them to be saved, but I don't want to go where they're going until they obey the gospel. <laughs> don't envy sinners. They need to envy you. <laughs> I was in my hotel room today. I said, God, everything I am, you made me. Everything I got, you gave me. Why wouldn't I want to live for you? Why wouldn't I want to serve you, Lord? Everything I am, everything I've got, everything I have, it's not mine. He gave it to me. Loving the truth is the best life. Amen. Serving God is the greatest life. <laughs> because you have a friend that stays closer than a brother. And when others forsake you, he will never leave you. Listen, if you love truth, you're going to have to say no and bye-bye to some relationships. Try to bring them as far as you can. But when they declare who they are and what direction they're going, how can two walk together except they be agreed? Pastor, I had to cut ties with my pastor when I was a young pastor. 
I sat right where they are on the front row. He was the greatest preacher I ever heard. But he became deceived. He became wounded. He became offended. And it affected his theology. And don't ever forget it. Your morality will dictate your theology. Your, your morality will impact how you interpret the Bible. I had to say bye-bye. My closest friends in the ministry. I, I don't like to talk about negative things. But I want to illustrate how convicted I am today. Some of my best colleagues, my best friends, thank God most of them, the overwhelming majority, amen, are still walking with God and in the truth. But some of my close pastoral friends found something else, a cheaper message, a cheaper gospel. They thought that they would be able to grow a greater church by backing up on some things. And when they walked away, I got down on my knees. I said, God, if you will help me, amen, I'm going to outgrow them. I'm going to outbuild them. I'm not going to compromise anything. And today, one man is out of the ministry. Ministry, and you can shoot a shotgun down the middle of the other congregation. There's hardly anybody there. I'm telling you, my friend, you don't have to give up anything. You don't have to sacrifice any truth to become what God wants you to be. Jesus said, no man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom. Have you put your hand on the plow? That plow's moving. <laughs> Once you put your hand on it, if you're looking back, your road's going to be crooked. Just a thought. So there was a defense attorney. His client was charged with first-degree murder. And circumstantial evidence was overwhelmingly against his client, except one feature. The victim of the crime he was accused of had never been found. So in his closing argument with the jury... He stood in front of them, his eyes burning into theirs. He said, your job is to determine if my client is innocent or guilty. And if there is a shred of doubt, then you must come back with a verdict of not guilty. And then with great drama, drama, and pros, he looked at the back door and he said, ladies and gentlemen, in 60 seconds, the victim of this alleged crime is walking through those back doors. Sucked the air out of the courtroom. Everybody wheeled and turned, including the jury. And they stared at the back door as he counted down 60 and then four, three, Two, one. And who do you think walked through the door? Nobody. But then he turned to the jury and he said, 
I watched your faces. You all looked at the door. And you believed that there's a possibility that that victim is still alive. You must now go deliberate and come back with a verdict of not guilty. The jurors went into the jury room. They did not deliberate for hours. They came out in five minutes. The judge said, do you have a verdict? He said, yes, your honor. He said, what is it? He said, guilty. And the defense attorney stood up incredulously and said, how could you say he's guilty? I saw you look with anticipation at the back door. And the foreman of the jury said, yes, we looked with anticipation. But then we also looked at you and your client. And neither of you looked at the back door. And if you don't believe it, how can we believe it? Hallelujah. I'm preaching to somebody. You need to get a look in your eye. Amen. You need to get a confidence in your step. I believe this. I don't have a plan B. If Jesus is not Lord, I don't have anywhere else to go. I'm like Peter, Lord. To whom shall we go? I don't have any alternative. Come on, everybody stand. Let's celebrate the truth right now. A picture of being around the truth and of being the difference of loving the truth is in the moment when Naomi said to her daughters-in-law, all of their husbands now have died in Moab. Naomi says, I'm going back to Bethlehem. I'm going back to the house of bread. I hear there's corn again. I hear there's bread again in Bethlehem. I'm going back home. I can't deny my roots. I can't deny my faith. I can't deny my brothers and sisters. She looked at their two daughters-in-law. She said, go back to Moab. I can't give you any more sons. The Bible says that Orpah kissed her. She kissed Naomi. But then she went back to Moab. But Ruth, the Bible said she claved her. I imagine her getting down on her knees and Naomi, I don't know what you got, but you got something. I know you haven't been your best the last 10 years. You left the house of God in a time of difficulty. And even though you went out full and you're going back empty, I still see Something in you is better than anything I've ever found in Moab. I know there's something there for me. And so she uttered words that literary students say is some of the most beautiful 
words ever uttered and written. Wherever thou goest, I will go. Wherever thou lodgest, I will lodge. Your people will be my people. And your God, my God. If you're the only one in your family that's in the house of the Lord today, if you're the only one in your circle that loves truth, it's going to be worth it. Ruth clung to Naomi. She goes to Bethlehem. She marries Boaz. They father Obed, the father of Jesse, the father of David, the sweet psalmist of Israel. She's mentioned in God's Hall of Fame. You don't have to have blue blood. You don't have to be, you don't have to come from generations of Pentecostals. You can cling to a Naomi today and say, wherever you're going. That's how I feel about the Antioch Church. Wherever you people are going, I'm going. Wherever you go, Pastor. Wherever you take us, that's where we're going. Wherever you stay, that's where I'm going to stay. <laughs> Look, I could get saved in this church. I could love this church. I could buy in to the vision of this church. It feels a whole lot like the life church. Amen. Why don't you go with us? Why don't you go with us? Whatever God's going to give us, He'll give you. Moses said to his father-in-law, Hobab, he said, come on and go with us. Come on, he was a heathen. Go with us. We're the people of God. We're delivered from Egypt. We're on the march. Hobab knew the wilderness like the back of his hand. And Moses said, you can be like eyes. You can be a scout. And whatever God gives us, he will give you. I feel like eternity's in this room right now. <laughs> Hobab said, No, oh, you go ahead. You go on. Don't anybody, don't wave your hand at the church today. Don't say, Go on. The, high, the wall's too high. The fence is too wide. Amen. Listen, it's not a high fence and a wide. Amen. Jesus said, straight is the gate and narrow is the way and few there be that find it. Hallelujah. I'm inviting somebody, amen, to focus on that straight gate and that narrow way. Don't waver to the right hand or to the left. If you've grabbed a, a hold of a Naomi, amen, if you've got a Moses in your life, come on, somebody needs to say, wherever you're going i'm going let's lift our hands and intercede right now
Oh, there's conviction in this house right now. There's truth in this house right now. (laughs) Come on, buy it. Buy it. Buy the field and get a treasure. Come on, buy the church and get Jesus Christ. I brought, I brought a I brought two pictures. I'm, I closed the message. There, I've got a black and white picture of taken in the 40s. This is my grandfather and grandmother. Front row, the right two. The rest are my aunts and uncles. My dad is second man from the left. You know, the Bible says in Hebrews, these all died in the faith. Eight children, mom and dad, all died in the faith. They all died in the faith. I'm, I'm preaching to some young family right now. You're first generation. You're first generation. Nobody walks away from God by themselves. You walk away from God. You're taking generations. I love truth. I believe the truth. Because of my heritage. They gave it to me. But then I had to fall in love with it for myself. Now let me show you my 10. Here's my 10 plus 2. (laughs) Oh, I thought the older I get, the less vulnerable I'll feel. Boy, that's not the truth. The older you get, the more you have to lose. That's my 12. My son, Justin, and his wife, Anna, and their son, Cohen, and daughter, Melina, and my Younger son, Caleb, they're both called preachers. They're both licensed, United Pentecostal Church. Caleb is the youngest licensed minister in Missouri for now. My wife, the queen, Marlene. Michaela, second grade school teacher, the one that turned a spade of dirt on her ungodly professor. My daughter, Marissa, her husband, Daniel, and Marigold, and Rosemary. I was preaching a men's conference in Arab, Alabama. Anybody ever been to Arab? Thank God. There's no easy way to get there. There's a men's conference, 250 men, no social distancing. This is back in October. I'm like mask paranoid. Nobody's wearing one. In fact, there's about 20 guys smoking cigarettes in the parking lot. I thought, this is going to be a great men's conference. (laughs) My favorite smell in church is cigarette smoke. It smells like deliverance. It smells like revival. It smells like conversion. 
So that Saturday morning, I'm in my hotel, getting ready to preach. My daughter, Marissa, texts me. She says, Dad, we're taking Marigold today to buy church shoes. And I'm reading that, and I'm like, See, grandpas, they cry over silly things. I collapsed. She's taking my daughter to buy church shoes. You know how many grandparents would give anything if their son or daughter was buying church shoes for their child? I just had me a meltdown right there. And I thought every time Marigold puts on those shoes, she knows she's not going to play. She's not going to school. Amen. She's not going to the grocery store. When she puts on these shoes, uh, amen, they're shoes for the house. Uh, They're shoes of worship. Hallelujah. They're shoes to dance in. They're shoes to walk to an altar in. Hallelujah. Amen. Uh, Amen. Uh, The gospel is not going to die in my generation. Uh, Amen. Buy the truth uh, and sell it not. I don't know what your custom is on Sunday morning for altar call protocol. You know what it is, but the altar is open. Or you can make an altar where you are right now. Come on, young person. Come on, young couple. Why don't you buy it today? Paul didn't say these many things I dabble in. He said this one thing I do. Come on, somebody buy the truth. Yes, yes, yes. Come on, somebody buy it. Make a commitment right now. This is the way I'm going to live. As for me and my house. As for me and my house. Come on, somebody make the trip to the altar. Somebody build an altar where you are right now. You got to have an altar. So I promise, Lord, I'll never walk away, never walk away. That's it. That's it. Come on. If you love truth.